Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us another opportunity to come together, your children, a small portion of your family, to come here and worship you together, to draw closer to you and to understand your word and your grace and your faith and your person a little bit better, to find out a little bit more about who we are in you and what we have through you based on your perfect life and sacrifice and atonement. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to talk a little bit about our witness today. I've been trying to say thanks to to all those who listen in the United States and abroad and uh, just give a special mention to some of those countries that I see pop up a little bit more than others, Japan and uh, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, Russia and France. And uh, I'm thankful we have a lot of you out in California listening and uh, and uh, we're praying for you. <laughs> Amen. So keep on listening and keep on sharing God's light. Amen. God loves people. And he wants them saved. You say that's an accurate statement? Amen. God loves everybody and he wants everybody saved. That's amazing. What that does is that blows that false doctrine out of the water about the sovereignty of God. When they teach it to the extreme that if it happened, it's because that's what God wanted. And Kesara Sarah. In other words, that that that's a lot. A, a lot of church folks are taught that that God wrote it, and it's already settled and done. And and every little thing that happens is because that's what God wanted to happen. That's not true, because it says in His Word that He wants everybody to be saved. But they're not. We live in a fallen world. The enemy's in control of this realm for a a season until the Lord comes back and gets us or we go to meet him and then he'll take care of that in the end as it's described in the book of Revelation. Amen. We have full confidence in that, but it is a fallen world. And when the Lord said, goodwill, peace, peace. Toward men, he didn't say amongst men, you know, so you can you can hope and wish for world peace all you want. It's not going to happen until the Lord comes and sets up his kingdom here. And the only peace in this life is found in Jesus Christ. And he wants people to know that. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? First Timothy two four. And also in Second Peter three nine, which is the one that I was <laughs> quoting from, and he's already provided the salvation. Jesus died; he rose from the grave, and it's all settled. Everything that that we need has already been provided for. And that what he teaches us in the Bible. Let's look and see. If I can just find one or two witnesses to attest to that. 
Let's look in Ephesians. You know, you could just look at the introductions and the salutations in the in the New Covenant letters and uh, get a lot of revelation. Ephesians is after Galatians, isn't it? Here it is. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. People say, well, that says it right there. It's, it's in heaven. It's spiritual. It's not real. Or, or not anything we can use here. Of course it is. Everything that's been provided... Through, by, for our, through Christ's atonement is found is in a spiritual form. All of the peace, love, and joy we'll ever need for this life is in our born-again spirit. And it comes into our natural realm where we can take advantage of it and in this physical body, how? This is all important. I, it has, it's not even on any of my notes so that's good because that the Lord has taken over. You have to tap in. You know what? That's perfect. That's right. So we're we're how many part being? A three part being. If the body's here, the spirit is here, and the soul is here. We're trying to get spiritual blessings into this carnal realm where we can take advantage of them in this life and not have to wait till the next. What has to happen? See, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our, our personality, our soul. Our blessings don't, and our... Healing and our prosperity and all these things don't come from our mind. It's not mind over matter. But they definitely come through it. They have to pass through from the spiritual, through the soulish realm into the natural. That's why renewing our minds is so imperative. So fundamentally Material to the Christian life, the successful Christian life. I don't call a successful Christian life just getting saved and going to heaven. Of course, that's a great success, the greatest. <laughs> but I'm talking about succeeding in this life, the prosperity, the abundant life that Jesus wanted us to have and has paid for. We have to get our mind into agreement with this word. Because if we can't, there's always going to be this, this tug of war, this spiritual tug of war between the soulish realm and the spiritual. Doubt, unbelief, faith, doubt, faith, doubt. And only one end of that seesaw can be up at a time. It's the way we're made. We can't be walking in faith and doubt. It negates everything. But we're talking about primarily other people today. God wanted me to share that, though. Because he wants 
us to be well, us to be helped so we can help others, right? That's the acronym for this church. Heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. Well, he wants us to be helped first so we can in turn help others. That's why you put the oxygen mask on yourself before the ones you're trying to save so that you're strong enough to help them. Well, what can we do for these people? Because if you don't walk around and realize that almost everybody you know is going to hell, then you need to think about it a little bit more. It's not a burden that we have to carry, but it certainly will give you a sense of urgency because God has a sense of urgency. I know that for certain regarding the kingdom of God and building the kingdom and the time, the short time frame that we have. One of the things that we can do for people is pray for them. We know that. And I really believe that all of you are good at that. I think, I think you all pray for people. I know you pray for your loved ones. I know you pray for situations and circumstances that you see. I know that your hearts are kind and compassionate. I know that about everybody in this room. And so that's a good thing because when you have good thoughts and, and prayers for people, it does help because God sees you as his child. And when you have when you're sensitive to something, so will he be, as long as it's not ungodly. So we need to pray for, for, for others. And we can pray for God to send others across their path to tell them about him, about the gospel, the good news. Most people like that one. Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Is God a respecter of persons? If he did it for one, he'll do it for another, right? Right? Healing every disease and every affliction. Will he ever change his mind? Did he did his do? He acted that way then, but is it a different way now? Same yesterday, today, and forever. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. That's where you get your your kind heart. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I never forget that dream that I had with him walking me home. In that familiar place where I grew up and we were walking and I was so happy he was taking me home and then I knew there was something and I turned and looked and there was a, a large group of people just looking at us and they had that same look like sheep without a shepherd and I had that burden on me at that time. I felt it for the first time and he let me know then that if I didn't do this, if I didn't carry out this calling, that there would be some that didn't go with us. And so it made it an easy choice. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, <clears throat> the harvest is plentiful, 
but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So Jesus says, pray. Pray that God will send out others to proclaim the good news to the people in our lives, in our communities, in our world. I pray every day that God gives our children godly friends and mentors and sends a godly mate of his choosing into their lives. And he's done that for two of them out of the four. And I pray for godly friends and mentors for my wife and for all of you and for myself. Those are good prayers. And most people say, you know, I can do this. I can, I can get in my prayer closet and I can pray for God to send somebody to talk to my neighbors. <laughs> they like that one. Why? Because there's no, no interaction on their part that's, that's required. <laughs> no interaction with people. Only with God. And we think we're so good at that, right? <laughs> Most people tell me that's their biggest problem. <laughs> But I know they'd rather talk to him than to people, at least. <laughs> because the fear of man is a bigger fear than the fear of God, unfortunately. But next, and I would say better yet, we can tell them the good news ourselves, can't we? Mm-hmm. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And the question is, who's going to agree with God? Jesus said, when I return, am I even going to find faith in this world? In a time when the church looks a lot like the world. And we look at the perfect example of marriage as being a picture of God and his people and how God's people have continually strayed and been unfaithful to a loving God who continues to stand faithful and committed to us, loving and forgiving us. But the question is, who's going to agree with God? He, I would say more specifically, who will agree with him in his desire that everyone should be saved? That scripture from 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. What they're talking about here is His return. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. He's patient to all of us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's saying that the, the Lord is, is eager to return. You know, we look forward to that time. We should when we'll be united with the Lord and, 
and he'll set up his kingdom here on earth and it'll be a reign of of peace for a thousand years before the other things start and it's just so exciting and he's ready he's eager for that to happen why is the father waiting then because he loves everybody and he's just patiently waiting because he knows that the more goodness he pours on it. You know, the Bible says that he caused the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Rain being a good thing. Say you're a farmer. He's, he's, he's good to everybody. Hoping that his goodness toward them will bring them to repentance. So he's just waiting. Waiting for people to repent and come to him. And he needs our help. Where are his hands and his feet? Where are the lights? On that hill, you know, the city on a hill. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first benefit to living a life of faith, trusting in what Jesus has done for us instead of what we have done for Him, is peace. Those whose minds are stayed on the Lord... He will keep in perfect peace because they trust in Him. I think that's Isaiah 26.3. But if we truly have peace, we'll want to tell others about it. Peace is really what people want. They think it's all sorts of other things. But it's really peace. The reason that a lot of Christians aren't overflowing with this desire to tell others about the salvation that they've entered into is because they themselves are truly not walking in the peace of God. They don't think they really have anything to share. They're hoping that some other Christian, someone that's really on fire for God, will walk across this person's path because they may just mess things up because they're not really doing too good at it themselves. That's how most of us feel a lot of the time, to be honest. we just rather somebody else do it. But God says that your story is the greatest story somebody will ever hear. And the only story they'll listen to about Him. You have people that are assigned to you that God will put in your path and He's really hoping that you will share His love and His light with them. This is the problem, though. And that's why a lot of Christians look just like the world. They go to the world and to their worldly friends to make decisions, to form opinions, and to get advice. They don't live a life of faith because their faith is weak, without revelation of God's Word, and a strong prayer life, and all the things that cause our relationships with Jesus to prosper are lacking. When you do have these things, the word, revelation, and prayer, then you will have peace. It's a, I don't like formulas, but I'm telling you, when I encounter people that are strong in the word, I have a friend that I just love. He's an old cowboy. He's about 14 years older than me. This was his last year on the, our, our committee at the rodeo. And, and he's just on fire for God. He tells me, I get up at 3.30, 4, 
He gets up at 3.30 twice a week, 4.30 the rest of the week because he doesn't want to miss his special two hours in the morning with the Lord. He walks in there and he says, good morning, Lord. And he sits down with the Word and he, he just fellowships with Jesus. And man, this guy is just glowing right now because he's been doing this for a while and it's evident. And when you, when you pray and you know the Lord, you know, you get to that place where it's too late. They can't talk you out of it. And people start saying, well, I don't like organized religion. You say, I don't either. In the sense that you're referring to, I'm talking about a relationship with an awesome God that loves you and wants you to know him. But when we do those things, we have peace. When we don't have time to do those things, when we accuse the God who created time and the plan for our life that he messed it up somehow, we get out of whack and we lose the peace of God and and we don't do the things we should. But when we do those things, that's why I'm encouraging you just to just to enforce your life a little bit, just to add some flavor to your life by adding more of Jesus. Tavana has a sign in her kitchen that says, all I need this morning is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. You've probably seen that one. <laughs> and when she does it, she scares me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not in a bad way, but in a that's the proper order of a marriage. When a wife doesn't have to say anything when a man is not, you know, exactly in the best mood or doing things like he, or loving her like he should. All she has to do is just go to the Father. Because he's the one who's, who gets on to us. And, and, and I'd rather sometimes, because she can be a little mouthy. Always has been. She's been in trouble our whole life for talking too much in class and with her mama and all that. And that uh, a little bit of that goes a long way. But sometimes I'd rather she just mouth off to me than 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 say nothing, because then I know what she's doing. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't take me long to straighten up and fly right. But when we pray and when we spend time with the Lord, we'll grow in our confidence in that relationship with the Lord, and we'll get excited about telling others about it. That's just the truth. That's the way it works. You don't want to get excited about telling something, telling somebody about something you don't know much about. <laughs> and trust me when I say this isn't about book knowledge. This isn't about knowing scripture, chapter and verse of everything. It's about knowing the man, the person, the God. And there's a huge difference. I know people that know this Bible, whoa, so many times better than me and they don't know the Lord and they're, they they can't figure it out why they can't just learn it like they've learned everything else and be better at it than everybody else because it's not like that <clears throat> Romans 1 verses 19 through 21 says that we can be known 
what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. This says that everybody knows that there is a God. They don't know necessarily His Word. They may not have ever been to church. But no one's ever going to stand before Him with an excuse. In other words, at some point, He's made something or some things about Him so understood by them that they will have no excuse for having gone the other way. If He only judges them on one thing, because if it says if you fail at one point of the law, you're guilty of it all. So that's what will happen. Nobody will stand before Him and be innocent unless they have the blood of Jesus. So, if we start walking in the power of God, which is in us, by the way, if we're saved, then we'll be excited to share the good news. Learn the Word, start praying for people, laying hands on the sick, seeing them healed, start speaking God's blessing over our families, over our animals, (laughs) over our bank accounts. Begin to acknowledge God as He prospers us and heals us and just be thankful. Live a life of thankfulness and let people see that. See you giving Him thanks for everything. I don't care if they laugh at you. If they see you do it long enough, they'll stop laughing. (coughs) It says in here, the next verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. After he says that he's made himself known to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So he'll use nature and the world, the things they do know, to show them himself. So they're without excuse, is what it says here. So don't let people tell you they don't believe in God. What they're saying is they don't believe in what they've seen from people about God. They don't believe in the people that claim to know God. And that's okay. But these are the steps that people take that move them away from God. And if they continue to do it over a long period of time, they'll get to a place where there's no return. We've got to try to catch as many of we, as we can before they get to that point, you know. Plant some seeds in their life. Verse 21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. People move away from God in phases. And this is what it's describing here in Romans chapter 1. These steps. And it's never God's will or His desire. Actually, all along the way, He's trying to reach them. The Scripture says, first, they fail to glorify Him as God. Remember the messages I teach on magnifying God, whatever you esteem highly, that's what's going to be prevalent in your life. The seesaw battle we're we're underway so this is why it's so important to stay connected to jesus and the word and not to esteem the world or the opinions of others more highly than we do that of god 
It's a natural tendency for some to want to please people which are surrounding them. People that they can see other than a God that they can't see. Even though the word, if believed and trusted, can comfort us in knowing that he is always with us now and forever. Next, right there in that passage of scripture, it says that they're not being thankful. They didn't esteem God. And then they weren't thankful. These are the steps, the progression away from God and toward a hardened heart. Thankfulness involves being mindful of all that God has done and reflecting on all that He has done and can do and will do, humbling ourselves, giving Him proper thanks every day and all throughout the day for all of His goodness and His mercy and His grace. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The third thing that it points out in that progression is to do with our imagination. And it's in this context, it's tied in directly to our our glorifying God and being thankful. Because if we aren't doing these things that our imagination will go the way of our predominant thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As we begin to think and meditate on negative things, or death in all its various forms, that's a vain imagination. And that's what it describes here in the King James in, in Romans chapter 1. Then finally, after we've stiff-armed God for long enough failing to esteem Him or glorify Him and not being humble or thankful and allowing our imagination, which is intended to be used for godly things, instead has been set and focused on dark, unholy, ungodly things. It says, then our foolish hearts become blinded and our understanding darkened until we're no longer reachable by God and are basically turned over to our own evil desires and lusts or unbelief. And then God will inevitably honor our wish to be left alone by Him. And this is a place that we never want anyone to get to that we ever meet. No matter if they're our worst enemy or what they've done, because the best thing that can happen to them is for God to get a hold of their hearts and change them. If we really, really know what hell is like, you would never want anyone to go there, no matter what they've done. You just want them to repent. That's what God wants too. So we can pray for folks, we can share the Lord with them, and we can love them. Doesn't the word say love never fails? Love them and be a good example. And when we're trying to do this, the devil is going to use the ones that you love the most and are closest to you. Sometimes friends, people you admire and respect, the devil's going to use them being weak in faith and ignorance of the Lord. They're going to let the devil use them. To be the most critical, (laughs) the most critical undermining influences in your world. And I'm just saying it so bluntly 
because I want you to be prepared for that and don't let it shock you or turn you back to your old ways and say, well, see, I tried it. I got shot down and I'm not going to be demoralized like that. But it doesn't mean that they're of the devil. It just means that they need more of the truth so that they know how to recognize the difference in what is the devil and what is God speaking in their ears. And that they won't agree with the enemy, just like you don't, because you've become more informed. And now you recognize his attempts to get you off course and to say and to do ungodly things. And you go, no, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But see, if they don't know what is the devil and what's not, they won't resist, you see. And it goes the other way, too. That's why I preach so hard against that sovereignty message. We all know that God is all-powerful all and all-knowing, and He can do anything. But He's got a system that He set in place, and He doesn't like to violate it. It's for our benefit. But saying that God is in charge of everything, well then, you know, how do you encourage the crackhead? You know, how do you encourage the people that are really struggling and doing the wrong things right now? They say, well, this is what God wanted for me. You know, no, it's not. He loves you. He loves you. He wants more. He has more. I'm going to make this into a two-part message, just like the one last week that I didn't do the second part this week. But <laughs> I always do that. I say, well, I'm gonna, this is going to be a series, and then the next week the Lord will put something else on my heart, and I'll move away. <laughs> as long as it's Him, that's all we care about. Amen. But I think this is our, our time is running short, and I don't want to put more on you than uh, than you can absorb tonight. And I think we've made some good headway. Amen. Some good reminders, some good teachings. Makes us want to go out and pray and ask the Lord to give us an open door, a window into someone's heart and mind to share His His love and His light. Amen. Father, thank you for this day and for this word. Thank you for all those who are here and those who will hear this message. We look forward to hearing from them, Lord. We know that we're all one big body of Christ around the world. Those who know you and have surrendered their hearts and minds and lives to you. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and, and that you want to remind us that there are others who need you. And just haven't gotten to the place where they haven't either haven't heard the truth or they haven't heard it from someone that they trusted. Uh, maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they've been in religion. Maybe they just don't know anyone that knows you. Well, Lord, help us. Show us. Put those people in our path that we can sow seeds into their lives to let them know that you love them. You have a plan for them. And that they need to become your disciples so that they can succeed in this life and be with you forever. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we thank you for loving us so perfectly. In Jesus' name, amen.